know what I take off Them are the fancy fashion functions You think that they be fine, but that's a dumb assumption Party's on top of the cock, come on, knock until bodies start bobbing I'm the hipster hunter Prescription pill popping, collect the cock, clocking on dead D-bag dropping I'm the hipster hunter Party's on top of the cock, come on, knock until bodies start bobbing Your ball say the password My players use as pirates And they all got fans They got really cute girlfriends All I got is my hand You don't even understand How I come out Come out crew I prefer a proper civics Proper Polish proper tunes I prefer piano Why the gasp and sound Is really sad No one seems to notice My familiar And many fans I detect your defects Are a need for respect And Mr. Boogie Nights With the very hairy v-neck They ask so wearing scary specs Like you are Tom Daschle Hang you off a roof Make you hum crystal castles It's invite only to my gallery show Then I turn on the gas Cause they all gotta go Welcome to Wednesday Night Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the shadow of Hurricane Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my percussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland, Mr. Odell, birthday boy Norman. <laughs> Hello, man. What's up? What is up? We haven't been on the air for what six weeks? Yeah. So how's it feel yeah, to be back? Feels good, man. The summer, man. Summer is summer flew by. So those six weeks, that was a quick six weeks. But um, it feels good to be back. Yeah, and a lot's happened in that six weeks. Um, I know I got to say it to you live and in person when I we were on our little trip at the selfie party. But let me say for the listeners, happy 45th birthday. Yeah, man. For the big four five. <laughs> yep. And oh, all I goodness. hear in my head is when I say that is like the fucking um, tornado music from Wizard of Oz. Da, 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 da. Because you were supposed to have this big extravagant outdoor touch football um, parades, like crazy party. And yeah. here comes shitty weather, the same weather that when we were traveling, we they actually closed down Kennywood while we were there and gave us free oh, wow. tickets for next year because of the storm. Yeah, it's been, uh, and I mean, you're you're hitting it too, and we're, uh, uh, you know, with Hurricane Florence about to hit, it's just been, I mean, today was the first day I think we saw a bit of sunshine uh, this afternoon after a torrential thunderstorm, mind you, uh, in a long time. It's been easily over a week. Since we've seen like blue skies and and, and, <laughs> and some sun, but now we're getting ready. At least for me up here in Maryland, um, the the threat is is simmered. But um, for like my folks and my and my sister or whatnot, they're down in in uh, Calabash, North Carolina. So they're about forty five minutes from Wilmington, wow. where, the, where that big one's about to hit. So they they all evacuated. And they're evacuating they're in the hospitals down there. It's so yeah, sad. it's it's yeah. This is a storm of apparently, as they're saying now, for every storm that comes out, it this is the storm of a lifetime until next year's storm of a lifetime hits. But well, the good yeah, news is, is climate change is a Chinese hoax just to raise carbon taxes a point of a percent. 
Oh yeah, you know that. So we're all, we're all, <laughs> we're all good. Um, traveling did a lot of cool stuff while we were traveling. As you know, one of the reasons we haven't been on the air for a while is I did a little filming trip. I filmed some footage with William Sanderson, who of course plays EB on Deadwood. And yep. Larry from New Hard and a million other things. He was the sheriff on True Blood. We um, did some filming, some interviews with, a, well, one interview with Apollo's son. And I, I could do a whole episode on our trip. But mm-hmm. I had a couple takeaways. One, we hit this um, museum. What was it, D? The Carnegie Science Museum? The Carnegie, oh, the Carnegie Science yeah. Center, yes. Yeah. In Pennsylvania. And, mm-hmm. Yes. And it was in yeah. Pittsburgh. It was extravagant. I loved it. But on the second floor, they had this whole big – the second floor was just set up for robots in the future, right? And it had oh, wow. one robot you couldn't interact with. It was in an enclosed location, and it would just throw basketballs into a hoop. It was like a giant crane arm, and it would calculate where the hoop was and get the basketball and throw it in. But the thing that was scary – and even my daughter, Vivian, was like, Daddy, this is kind of scary. She's 12. They right. had a robot arm that you could play in fucking air hockey. And I watched <laughs> people line up, and no matter what they did, dude, they could not get one puck in. This oh, robot boy. arm just scanned everything you were going to do. It was like, bam, bam, beep, bam, bam, bump, bam, bam, jump. And no matter what you did, dude, this robot arm sized you up. It had like a little infrared thing on it. And then every couple seconds, it would do this thing where it go, like it would just do these little segment things. Like it's like, yeah, I got your ticket, motherfucker. And I was like, <laughs> and my daughter was like, daddy, this is scary. I said, I know, right? If this, if this is what the infancy of robotics is like. Imagine what it's going to be like in 50 years. Imagine me trying to shoot one of these motherfuckers if they go rogue. If I can't even get a puck by them on an air oh, yeah. table. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. Um, and this is, I, and I'm going back easily 2004, 2005, 2006 timeframe. Uh, one of my jobs was I used to take, um, uh, these tapes that had, uh, imagery on them and I would go into this back room and you would have to load these tapes in, into what we call the robot into the, um, into the system. And basically, you would just see these robotic arms come and grab your tape that you take, pull it, boom, place it in, pull it, boom, place it in. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, and you would just go about your business like nothing. You do. You now, I know in. you worked in a lot of classified stuff, but can you at least tell me this? Did any of the robots ever say, oh, Dal, will you teach me how to love? <laughs> uh, no, I, if that, maybe, uh, you know, I may have heard some things late night or something, but no, not that. <laughs> You know, China just opened up its first bordella of strictly robot sex dolls. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which makes zero you, sense to me. Yeah, that's where we're going to. I mean, it's, it's I don't even, it, it, for example, you know, people used to laugh at the movie that, um, uh, who was it? Was it Joaquin Phoenix did? Um, where he fell in love with his, basically with, uh, a, um, I can't remember the name, but it was like Scarlett Johansson's voice. But she was like uh, almost like on your phone, pretty much. And he remember he had like a whole relationship with her, and it was almost like Siri before Siri. Well, I'm done with humans. If me and D don't work out, I'm gonna have a relationship with Alexa. See, I'm already (laughs) grooming. I'm already grooming Alexa for our relationship. 
<laughs> I'm setting up her like algorithms and programs. It's like Alexa, what do you think about love? Uh, what do you think about passion? I'm already setting her up. So there's you- a uh, there's a funny uh, uh, episode of the Boondock. It's one of the last, I think, one of the latter episodes that they ever did, and it basically was uh, the granddad having Siri on his phone, and they ended up having like a relationship, and then it got toxic to the point where like Siri wouldn't let him talk to real women. <laughs> was like uh, scanning his bank accounts. Like, why did you go here? What were you doing here? I told you not to do this. This stuff. <laughs> it was great, but it was so freaky because you're like, wow, it could actually come to that. Yeah, that doesn't sound too far off to me, man. I and mean, we're sitting here laughing yeah. about it. But after watching that robot arm at the um, Carnegie Science Center, it's like, really, how far away are we from it? Let me tell you yeah. the second thing that happened that was really kind of terrifying to me, not even terrifying, just unsettling. When I was young in Pittsburgh, um, probably in the 80s, they had built this mall called Century 3 Mall. Three, Uh because it was the third biggest mall in the country at the time. This thing was fucking huge. And it was the biggest mall east of the Mississippi. They had actually cut off the top of a mountain and put this, built this mall here. It was nuts, right? And I would go there on a Friday night. It would take you 20 minutes to find parking if you drove there. Um, It was people, elbow to elbow. They had about 400 stores. It was insane. So I told Danielle we had some time to kill. One of our interviews wasn't able to make it. So I was like, all right, let's go up to Century 3 because Dee wanted to do some shopping. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. wait till you see this mall. It's going to blow your fucking mind. It's like you've never seen a mall this huge. And we get into the mall, and first we pull up, and there's like a thousand parking spaces. There's like nine cars in a parking lot. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, was there a bomb threat? Is the mall open? Like, I don't understand. I'm trying to process this. I don't understand what's going on. We get inside. We go through JCPenney's. That looks normal. But we walk out of the JCPenney's, and there is maybe four stores open. There are benches in front of the escalator, so you can't go upstairs. The whole upstairs is closed off. The food court is gone. There is, wow. let me not say four, I'm probably exaggerating. There's like nine stores left out of 400. Not counting yeah. the big end cap, like department stores, like Sears and crap. And so I go into this um, t-shirt shop, this airbrush shop. This guy's in there, this tattoo dude, um, Chris, is in there airbrushing. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck happened to this mall? And he's like, well, people, and everybody we asked, we did some film, and I actually filmed an interview with them because I was just so amazed. It would be like going into Disney World, and it's a ghost town. And Magic Mountain is boarded up. Like, it was that crazy. All right, so anyways, we go into small, dead, just nothing in there. And we interviewed that guy, Chris, who ran the um, airbrush shop. And I interviewed Mm -hmm. a couple other people in the mall, just talking to them off camera. And everybody had a different reason. One person said the owner was shady. And um, they were going to build like a water park there. And the owner like got busted for all this tax fraud. Somebody else said there was like a gang riot in there because the buses were running in these really bad areas. And the guy that ran the airbrush shop, we did a whole interview with him. And he's like, look, nobody even knows we're open anymore. But it was coming from a town like McKeesport, PA, that was a steel mill town. That was so vibrant when I was a young, young kid, really young kid in the 70s, and started dying off when I was in the 80s and seeing that town dry up. In fact, we just watched a documentary about Braddock, PA, because my daughter homeschools, and I had her watch that as some of her hours today. Mm -hmm. And then to go into Century 3, the (coughs) biggest mall on the East Coast at the time, and to see it completely gutted, it, it was just astonishing to me. 
that there's so much money to be made in that place, and now it's gone. I didn't even know how to process it. It was insane, Odell. Well, that's the thing now. I mean, even like malls around, like when I used to work out in um, like Montgomery County, Maryland, and uh, there used to be malls left and right out there, big plazas and all gone, all gone. Malls here in Baltimore, there's not too many. I mean, you have, if the mall does, like, for example, with um, like White Marsh, where we were on Sunday, you know, fortunately, there is like a Dave and Buster's and, and some right, other stuff yeah. that, that brings people in. But they're not truly, I mean, they're still going to some of the stores, but they're not going to, if those places weren't there and if, and if a movie theater wasn't on the other side and, and no one goes to those stores, that's why I guess you see so many of the smaller like strip malls with like the. Well, when you go to a dead mall and see like a wig shop or a shoe repair shop, don't you automatically yeah. think the place is like fucking mobbed up? You're like, oh, yeah. this has got to be the mob. There's no way these cats are making enough money in this mall to stay open. Nah, it, it, yeah, I mean, there's a few malls around here that were like that. Uh, Mud Diamond Mall, which is um, near the Maryland Zoo on the other side of town, that used to be a prominent mall, but you go in there now, it's just a bunch of uh, rented out end caps and you know no are you i mean there's nothing in there and and it's like wow what happened here and and even more so you're seeing malls just completely just closing you know just absolutely just gone like they were there a couple of weeks ago now they're being knocked down so we are going into dark territory all right let's go yeah. ahead and move on we have got one of my all-time favorite rappers on the line he's an animation artist um does so many things. Is so incredible. Has I've got a great story. I've got to tell him too. He's had such an impact on so many people. Let me yeah. get MC Chris in here. Chris, what's up? Hi. How are you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, thanks for coming man. on, man. I know your oh, no schedule is hectic as hell. I'm just totally yeah. insane. So I want to thank you for calling in today, man. And thanks for taking time. Oh, out. no problem. No problem. It's not that bad. I'm okay. All right. Good to hear. <laughs> All right, I'll, before we actually jump in, I want to, if you'll indulge me, I mean, I've got to tell you this amazing MC Chris-related story. Do All it. right. All right. Me and our producer, have been together about nine years. About seven years ago, we went to NOLA, to New Orleans, for the first time. Never been in New Orleans, looking for something to do. Decided to go to a sex club. Full-on sex club, right? Get in there. Never been to a sex club. Don't know what to fucking expect. So, of course, I'm wearing, like, my best shoes. And we get there right at 8.01 when they open. Oh, we're here. Because we have no idea what to expect. <laughs> go into this club. It's dead, of course. It's 8 o'clock. Nobody's there yet. So, we're, we have to bring your own alcohol. We're standing around drinking. There's a DJ in the back. So, nobody to talk to, right? So, we go in the back. Uh -huh. We talk. start talking to this DJ. Um, just kind of like, what do we expect here? What's the environment like? What can, what else is there to do in New Orleans? And as we were walking away, we had talked to him for like a half hour. He's like, hey, do you have any requests? And I'm like, well, you know, what do you got? What can you play? And he's like, dude, dude, I can get anything. Like he's, it's so long ago. He's like downloading the stuff off SoulSeek. He's like, just give me a song and I can get it. So I was like, well, you, like I'm listening to you incessantly at that point. And I'm like, do you have any MC Chris? And he's like, you know what, dude? Oh, holy shit. I haven't heard that name in a while. I love MC Chris. And I'm like, can you play Fett's Vet? And he's like, I don't know if this is the right environment. I've never played anything. He's playing like fucking, I don't know, Ricky Martin and whatever his right set Shows what he knows. Shows yeah, what he yeah, knows. I know. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Enter any environment, especially a sexual environment. A sex right? club, yeah, I mean, you know. 
Well, this is going to prove my point, man. So um, (laughs) he said, let me think about it. So 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. By 10.30, the club is just, you know, just totally jumping. The dance floor is either completely naked, including this little guy named Roger, who was one of the first dudes there. Short little guy named Roger. He was a podiatrist. And he came up to me absolutely stark naked. And he's like, hey, what's up? My name's Roger. I'm a podiatrist. What do you do? And after about three minutes of small talk, he was like, so um, would you mind having sex with your wife in front of me? I just want to suck her toes. That's all I want to do. So just as a sidebar, <laughs> that was my first experience there. So right. um, the club, sure, sure, totally naked, <laughs> half naked at the very least, women just like in panties, topless. And I'm looking around and people are dancing or whatever. And all of a sudden, dude puts on Fett's vet. And these cats are all like middle-aged dudes and women. They don't know what to make of it. They don't know, you know, they're they're just the average person who probably listens to the radio and shit. So they're trying to process this and people start dancing. But because of the theme of the song, they kind of start doing this robot dance. And But they're trying to be sexy about it. So it's like this robot erotica thing going on. And all these people. I didn't, I didn't know there was ever a time when robots weren't sexy. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. That's well, they were bringing. They tried to make sexy. a robot sexy. I'm like, well, it must not have taken him much effort because I mean, right there, right in their invention already, that's pretty sexy. But maybe I have a fetish. I don't know. Well, exactly. <laughs> we were just talking about how they just opened the first um, robot sex doll bordella over in China. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Where in China is where that is. Yeah, it's a quite a trip, but if you're into robot sexy, that's the place to go, Chris. Mm-hmm. And get some MC Chris in there. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta work it. Well, here's yeah, I like to. Well, what happened? Did everyone? Everyone started doing the sexy robot, and then what happened? So everybody's doing the sexy robot, and it's just this bizarre scene of all these slightly overweight middle-aged people doing this weird robot sexing each other dance. And two things go through my mind. First, I'm like. Holy shit, dude, I wish I could film in here and send this to Chris because he would fucking love this. And two, I, and because I, you know, I'm on your um, Facebook fan page. I see your videos sometimes. Sometimes you're a little frustrated or melancholy. And I'm an artist, so I get it. I get that way too. But I'm thinking like, man, to have the cultural impact to create such a bizarre, beautiful moment like this and not even know it. If you never came on a show, you would never even knew this happened. It happened seven years ago. And, you know, that's probably happening in some sex club every night, you know? Oh, I hope it is. I'm sure it is. What do you mean, hope? (laughs) Are you kidding me? When are you going to tour just sex Every night. I bet right now in, like, Rio de Janeiro or something, there's some sort of sex dungeon and hijack just went on. And and everyone's (laughs) screaming because they know it means that that the guy's coming down the stairs. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's a horrible that's a horrible thought so you, know, you know what we need to do we need we need to find we need to get chris a, a, like a residency like they do in vegas maybe at one of these yeah. sex clubs yeah no i, want, I, mean, I, I think want i think there's a, be, i think I there's a market like, for it i want to have like themed strippers around me at all times so if i'm doing like let's say a harry potter song i'm surrounded by like 10 hermione's taking off their clothes you know that's what that's, it, that's what my life should be. That's what Chris my life should have been the whole time. I shouldn't even. I should be experiencing that right now. You should be. I don't <laughs> know why I'm not. talking to us. I, it's crazy. I don't know. I don't even know what you guys are. I just know that I'm on the. I'm on the roof of my building, and I'm. I'm not with my family, so of course I'm talking about sex dungeons in in New Orleans <laughs> with some strangers. Because this is why you go to the roof. This is why you go to the roof. I wish I had a roof to do that. All right. Well, here's the point. Uh, I'm trying to you don't even have a roof. Not a roof Where I can sit on. Barrel? 
I live in a, I live oh, in the okay. mountains, dude. It's like a triangle roof. No chimney. They don't have roofs in the mountains. They have tri. You can't sit on a roof. You'll roll off. Oh, and, I'm and that's not good. In. I'm not. Not good on a mountain. Not on a mountain. Yeah, you, you start rolling on a mountain, you're going to go all the way down from the south. And I live on Meth Mountain. It's the worst place to roll li- down. Oh, well, then you're rolling on a mountain no matter what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, so let me drive this point home, Chris. I'm getting way off track here. I don't like your metaphor there, but go ahead. So I don't know where this, I don't know where this story's going. <laughs> Take away this, man. You like if you if there's this story here, there's got to be a hundred, if not a thousand, stories just like it you've never heard. Think about the, just a hundred, just a, even if there's just a hundred, that's more than most of us could ever dream of. Oh, so in my true. mind, you're a fucking success, dude. And forget Thank moving you. units and all this shit. The fact that you you are the soundtrack to so many bizarre and beautiful moments, not just at your concerts because you have an incredible fan base, but just yes, for something that I experienced like that, anytime that you're feeling down or anything like that, I want you to think about the robo-erotic sex that was going on. I to will. I don't know if I'll be able to shake that image out of my mind no matter what's going on in my life. Well, that's the best compliment I've ever had, actually. I always okay, want to be like good. Costanza, like the deodorant commercial and that sign felt like Costanza. I always want to stick in people's head. So I'm glad I could oh. do that for you, Chris. Well, you're definitely sticking a lot of things in several places. <laughs> right on. I, too bad my mom doesn't have the internet. She would be so proud oh, yeah. of her baby boy. No, she's still working on that VCR clock. Oh, my mom doesn't do internet or anything. I had I had her on my show like five years ago, and I just went to visit her in Pittsburgh. And she's like, Nikki, please play the episode for my boyfriend. Oh, my God. She thought it was like the greatest thing in the world. Oh, well, I was like, I'll say, say, say hi. Send her my love. Send her my love. And she should I, send me a pie in return. You know, there you go. That's a deal. All right. Let's move on to your fan base, because this is something I really want to talk about. In all seriousness, man, I've interviewed hundreds of people. I have never seen a fan base quite like yours. Your fan base is fiercely loyal and they're really diverse yeah. is which like when you see, I've never been to an MC Chris concert. I don't get out much. I'm a bit of a shut in uh, unless I'm traveling. You should come. You should come to one. Next time you're anywhere near Knoxville. I plan on going now if I can possibly oh, okay. make it out. But when I watch the videos of your concert, the only thing I can compare it to is like going to see sublime in the nineties and there's like a stoner dude over here and a skater guy here and a college dude here and a reggae dude over here and a hippie guy. Like your audience is so diverse and so loyal. Yeah. It is just an amazing yeah. situation to me. Yeah. There's lots of different kinds of people because, you know, it, it, it feeling like shit knows no uh, color or <laughs> it knows no class. It knows, you know, we're all the same in that regard. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, the, tr- the trials and tribulations that I went to, no one ever talked about it in hip hop in quite the way that I did. So, right. you know, it, c- it connected with a lot of people that were having a private experience. And, you know, as uh, is, is often the case with music, you discover that you're not alone because you hear someone else is fired up, you know, sent up a flare and, and let everyone know what's going on with them. And, and that makes us all feel a little less alone. And that's a good thing. And I think there was a lot of people that were feeling alone around the year 2000 and, you know, those first five years uh, of this century where people, nerd identity wasn't so locked in. And I think it really locked in during my, my first couple of years of doing this. And, and everyone started to feel a little bit more um, secure or just like, okay with being who they were, being who they are. And uh, I think that was a good thing, you know? Absolutely, man. I remember in the 80s, nerd was a terrible thing. I used to get beat up for being a nerd. And now it's kind of like you have to have nerd cred. Yeah. 
And I'm happy. But, it was because, but, because, but because nerds were so persecuted, I think 80s nerds, like, they have a special, they have a, a special experience that was kind of the end of an experience, probably, where, you know, Poindexters were getting pushed around uh, and something you yep. didn't want to be and you, and you couldn't get laid and... And, you know, everything changed, and now we have, like, stadiums filled with people that are watching people play video games. You know? Yeah, no one's and, giving uh, Chris Hardwick a swirling today. And I think, the, I think, like, you hit it right on the point when you mentioned, like, Poindexters, because there were so many movies and themes based in the 80s growing up at, at that time, and people relating to that, that I think a lot of those people that watch those movies, you know, are the same ones that produce and are affected and, and then, uh, you know, put that in either music or art and make it yeah, appealing sure. to, you know, people. Well, I, uh, I, you know, I think um, in a lot of ways, I think that nerds, it's always been kind of a, an archetype or a stereotype that's kind of been played up with the glasses and the pocket protector religion mm-hmm. and nerds and stuff like that. And you've yep. seen it for a long time and it's still kind of happening today. You know, Big Bang Theory, it's, that's that's a show for people who aren't nerds, you know, and it's like, this is what nerds are like, and it's telling other people that. Um, but, it, you know, most nerds will tell you they don't watch Big Bang Theory, you know, and that it's like, it's not really who they are. And, um, you know, so that's interesting that I think that it's always, it's kind of like almost my wife's Sicilian. There's a couple of things that you're still allowed to make fun of, you know, nerds, Sicilians. And even in hip hop, I heard a song the other day that was making, saying like, you're a dork, you've never played a sport. And it's, and it's it has always been like that, where hip hop has kind of had a jock uh, mentality about it. A lot of songs, like you know, reference a lot of bravado. And, 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 well, there's vibrato, but there's also talking about athletes, and it's more of a jock thing. So I think there actually was mm-hmm. a place for for nerdcore to happen. There was there there was like a whole other side of the coin that wasn't being represented, and I actually feel like. You know, a lot of stuff that we were doing in nerdcore kind of became mainstream with things like Kid Cudi and and people making references to nerdy things and and although nerdy references in hip hop have existed since the invention of hip hop, um, nerdcore definitely concentrated everything. You know, in in a very intense way, just like nerds are about doing anything. Um, they yeah. really get into it and they can they can go overboard. Like uh, it's like, oh, it's like yeah. Warhammer. You know, um, yeah. but um, but yeah. So I don't know. I just feel like uh, we kind of went at it really hard, really early, and it it was very uh, influential at the end of the day. Well, let me kind of divot back here to your fans. When you have such a diverse fan base and it covers such a large spectrum of different interests and passions, does that make it harder for you to write lyrically than it would be if you were just playing a one type of crowd? Um, I've always just planned to myself, and I'm several different kinds of crowds, I guess, in one person. Um, so I think that, you know, I really try to have a connection with every, with all human beings and just kind of talk about some very um, general things, general in general ways that we, you know, we suffer or we succeed. And, and I talk about what that's like. And I think, I think people, a lot of different kinds of people relate to it. Like you said, it is like that sublime show where there are different kinds of people at the show. It's not all just one kind of person. And um, so, you know, I think that's just, that's just all of us having a common experience growing up with hip hop in the nineties, growing up with nerdy stuff in the eighties and the nineties, you know, um, maybe turning that into music and maybe starting your own business because of the convenience the internet brought you in the beginning of the century, you know? And then I mm-hmm. had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to work with adult swim, which really, um, was like an amazing, uh, launch pad to kind of start everything. Um, and got a lot of attention in the beginning. And that's something that I'm still trying to, keep going today and it's been you know i've been 
known to my fans for 17 years now. And that's pretty and crazy a, as an independent artist. Like major major artists don't get to make three albums or four albums. And you know, artists today they can make as many albums as they want. They can keep going. They can stop whenever they want. They can go get a day job whenever they want. They can have a day job and make music at the same time. You know, people do that too. Um, I'm still touring. I'm still making albums. Um, we'll see what happens. I've moved to LA. You know, there might be some TV in the future. But for right nice. now, I just you know I, nice. I love my job and I love uh, I love what I do and I love making albums, writing songs. I never run out of ideas or any desire to write a song because I always have so much to say. And these days, it's almost like you know I'll sit down at the beginning of an album and I'll have fifty song ideas, and it's never there's never a day where I don't have anything to talk about on the oh, first yeah. day. There's always, and then once you once you get your hands dirty, once you start making a song, then you've got all these problems and things you need to fix, and that's going to take you half a year, or whatever, however long it takes you. And um, but for me, it takes half a year. But you know, once I get started, then I like to see all the problems and try to solve them, and then just try to make it as good as you can. And then, as my therapist taught me, because I used to get so stressed out about these things, he's like, "It's done when it's done." And so I have a new album I'm working right on right now, and it's going to be done when it's done. And but that's going to be thankfully very soon. That'll be um sometime this fall and so while i'm touring we'll suddenly have a new album to also play with well you made the segue into that and i don't know how much about the new album you can talk about but i did read somewhere oh, I'll tell you all kinds of stuff oh right on okay well the first thing i heard and you could tell me if this is true or not this is going to be your first non-themed album there's not going to be a theme to this album. yeah there's no theme and um a kid just walked up to me and he's like i miss i miss your early albums and I, that's a common complaint that i get but I think that just comes with like liking something and then changing as a fan and having the artist mm-hmm. change, you know, there's, it's, in, it's inevitable. Um, but I definitely thought that like I was kind of getting entrenched in my themes and I was researching too much. And I was, even though I still did a lot of research for this album, but I definitely didn't go into it too hard. I didn't read any books. I didn't have any plans. I just kind of tried to be as loose as I could. Cause the last album was very heavy, very dark. It's all about nightmares and trauma and alcoholism and all the things that I have had to deal with in my life. And this album, I just kind of, the first thing I wanted to call it was yay. I wanted to just nice. make sure that it was really positive, positive and fun and, and happy and, and just kind of, let's go to a different place and because we're just sick of being sad, really. And mm-hmm. um, and so the album's called Hashtag Empty Chris is Good Music. And, and it doesn't really have a theme or anything, but I think it definitely became an MC Chris album without me even trying it. There's a lot of Star Wars songs. There's a lot of songs about fast food. I talk about old video games and and um, nerd culture in the past. Um, and, you know, so just it's a, it's a very kind of regular album. I mean, it is a little bit political. That's kind of the secret. Um, but, okay. You know, that'll... People will discover that. As I can't wait to it, hear that then, they, man. They, yeah, they yeah. About it. But I... I'm a very political person. I'm a very angry person right now, and I talk about that a lot too. Yeah, as but many I have of a good us time are. doing it. Yeah, so, and we definitely plug it. We plug it on this album. We have a lot of uh, guitars. Uh, it kind of feels kind of metal in the beginning, but there's also a little Cardi B in there, a little little Wayne in there, and we kind of end on a ska note. And so, you know, I'm pretty stoked on it. I, I listen to it for fun. Uh, I I can't wait to share it with everybody. I'm, and the skits are done and. It's pretty much ready to go. David Mack, the guy, uh, Marvel artist, just called me. Uh, oh, right. He's working on the he's working on the cover, 
and um, he's done a couple covers for me already. So it's just kind of the people that I always work with, where everyone's kind of chipping in and helping out. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what everybody thinks. It definitely will everyone. It should be something that everyone can enjoy, you know, during October, November and December, you know. Well, let's How talk you- about not. I'm sorry, Odell. Go ahead. No, no. I was just like, I know you're I know where your inspirations come from. But what is the process for you to write? As 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 a MC, I know as for like me and Nick, you know, writing music, you know, we did it a certain way. What is the process for you? Because you do, I mean, you you all are you are all over the board with your with with your lyrics. So how do, how do you process that to to be like, okay, this is well, what I you, want in this particular song? Kind of, like I said, I write out the song titles, then I. I go with a couple of strong ideas. I feel like are the strongest ideas or maybe the most fun. Cause sometimes it's really, when you want to get something started and really got to make it enjoyable in the beginning. So right. I'll just kind of attack the things that seem kind of obvious to me or things that might be a little, maybe easier. And, um, and then, you know, I might start with uh, doing rhymes at the top of the page, but by the end of the page, if I feel like the rhymes aren't coming to me fast enough and I have more to say than I have rhymes, then I'll just start writing almost in a prose uh, memoir kind of style so it'll start with some rhymes and maybe something will come out of that and then it'll kind of go we'll describe something then i might plot out a song in terms of like first verse is going to be about this and i can i usually do four sets of four uh bars okay. and so each set of four bars might be like okay in this section i'll introduce myself in this section i'll do this in this section i'll do this and this section i'll do this and i have a couple of there's some hip-hop tricks like put a put a joke at the end of your verse or a joke in the middle of your a joke and a drop out in the middle of the verse there's things that people do and i like to i like to follow traditions and do what people people are doing and i love researching that and copying that and just it never comes out like hip hop. It always comes out in some sort of like you know weird idiotic version of it of that. But that's <laughs> you know people like it and have liked it for a long time, so we keep doing it. You know, but you know we plot things out and then you ha- you maybe with that first draft. I keep things really loose. I was in art school and I did sketching and 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 I was an illustrator and wanted to be you know I didn't want to be an animator. I I wanted to be an animator in art school and actually became an animator in life. There but, you go. Uh, what they what they what they taught us in life drawing is or just in general with drawing is to keep it real loose and keep it real sketchy and just like so i i and sometimes you get so stressed out with hip-hop you want if you can be very ocd about it and every line has to be a rhyme and you got to nail it on your first go because of freestyling and all these stupid things i don't really believe in you know i feel like you can put work into it you can put time into it you can try to make the best rhyme you possibly can and you go over it again and 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 then like anything that's a red flag like you just anytime you see a red flag you pay attention to your gut and you say, okay, I want a different word there, or Great I can point. tell my flow. I can tell my flow has uh, changed, and, and the flow has been interrupted. Everyone talks about flow because it's something that's not interrupted. So if you see the flow has been interrupted, you might say, okay, I want to repair these two lines. And usually, what I do is I like go through and I'll like either select a word and change it into red, or I'll select a word and change it into bold, and I'll have all my my weak spots, and then I'll I'll attack those, you know. And okay. then you add music, then you, and then, you know, this is all at the same time of, of dealing with a producer and music and, and just, you know, the, it, a lot of things are very simple in life. And a lot of it is just about listening to your gut, listening to your stomach. If something doesn't feel right, if something doesn't sound right, you know, you know, then fuck with it and see if there's something different that sounds better. And, and don't be too precious with anything and be real loose. And then as you get further and further along in the process, you tighten things up and you tighten it, you tighten it until you're just acting like a crazy person and no one can hear what you're doing. And then you got to let go of it like a kid going to college, you know, and just whatever yeah. happens, happens. Whatever happens, that's it. That's, that's okay. 
So when you're making this new album, because it's not themed, does that feel easier to you because you don't have the constraints of a theme or is it harder because you don't want you don't have like one single thing to focus on? I think it's incapable of me for not doing a theme. I think themes came up anyhow. Um, But I think I didn't want to go into something feeling so um, locked in because I have a plot that's happening in the skits of the albums. And I also have like a long uh, like a long term idea about what these where these albums are going with the, where the story is going and how, how does it all get wrapped up or like, how does it continue at least for a little while? And so I can get really kind of bogged down in that. It's not as much fun. So then I'll just be like, okay, let's not do what the plan is and just totally break away from the plan. And, and we'll, we'll justify it somehow or not explain it at all. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares about this stuff as much as I do. I always thought they did. Um, but I'm also very stoned all the time. And often. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I want to do this because, like I said, you have the best fans ever, and we never do this, but I actually put out some fillers and some of the MC Chris groups and took some questions. Can we answer a couple fan questions here? Sounds great. All right, the first one is a great fan question. It's from Philip Booker. He said, would you ever consider answering questions posted on a Facebook thread during a podcast? Uh, thank you, Philip. Um, yes. I would consider it, but then I'd eventually decide that it's a horrible idea. As you should, as you should. All right, Jed, Gr- Jed Grimler, favorite Han Solo line, Han Solo line. Uh, thank you, Jed. Um, who's scruffy looking? Who's scruffy looking? All righty. <laughs> oh, here's a great one. This is something I wanted to hit, too. Um, it's from Kevo Cole. How do you feel about Fox and Disney combining together for Marvel Studios? Uh, thanks for the question, Kevin. Um, stoked. Two totally different tones. So um, Fox will definitely have to learn how to let Disney do everything. Yep. Um, because the the Fox tone is muddled, um, confusing, not as enjoyable, maybe too dark. I mean, even DC knows it like it's got to it's got to start doing it's Shazam and it's Plastic Man and it's got to you know let's let's have it be a little bit more like Wonder Woman and let's cheer up a little bit, guys. And I and I think that uh, maybe Fox maybe Fox needs to take a page from that book because you know X Men movies are fun, but also like think about it, Logan, X Men Apocalypse. I mean, weren't these dreary experiences? I actually like those me. movies better, and I like the Dark Rain period when Norman Osborn took over the Marvel Universe. I actually like that stuff better. Well, you know, to each his own, to each his own, my friend. Yes, exactly. Got it, though. No, I was just going to say, it's funny, you were mentioning the, you know, the dark side of stuff. I, I just read today that they uh, are letting uh, Henry Cavill uh, go. I know. From uh, being Superman. Yeah. They're playing right hard. They're playing hardball. Yeah, playing yep. hardball. But we will, we will find out that this stuff doesn't matter. No one gave a fuck when they got rid of Dumbledore and they switched Dumbledore. That's Nobody it. gave a fuck. No one talks. No one talks about it. So everyone's expendable, you know. That's it. So we're all expendable. Um, but That's you know, Fox and true. Disney. Fox and Disney could be a lot of fun. And there's definitely like you know we've never had a good Fantastic Four movie. Maybe I mean besides the Incredibles. And so maybe yeah, we will exactly. now. <laughs> Uh, you know, so uh, there's a lot of cool things that could happen. There's a lot of stuff that they own. We saw scrolls in the Cap- Captain Marvel uh, ad, and yeah. uh, you know, that's kind of cool. I mean, that's a Fox-owned thing. I think that's the beginning. 
So we'll see what it all means. I think we'd all be happy just to have a movie end and have like Spider-Man and Deadpool say hi to each other. We'd all just like, you know, bust a nut. And, That's the dream. And, 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 you know, that is the dream. We don't have to experience anything after that. Yep. Group suicide. All right. Let me ask my fan boy question. <laughs> this is something I've okay. always wondered, and I'm sure it's probably correct. The um, Bounty Hunter songs you have on Goes to Hell, is that from the Tales of the Bounty Hunters book? Because I fucking love that book. Yes. And uh, the IG-88 story. Um, you, I don't know if you've heard Four Lom and Zuckus, but that was also kind of came from that. And uh, Dengar definitely came from that. I was right. really bummed out. Dengar, Dengar was not in Solo. Um, that was a bum out for me. And, um, yeah. So, you know, Bosk, I know all their stories. I came to love, I came to like totally understand these guys, know these guys and feel bad for these guys. They all have like sad stories and, except for IG-88. He's just kind of like, he's just a prick. And he, he actually is bra- He took over the Death Star. And, and yeah, I think I they know. took it over, right? I think they took it over like a second before it exploded. Yep. That was the best story, in my opinion, in that book, especially when he like yeah. felt the president of Darth Vader. He's like, maybe I should rethink robots. Maybe I need to start doing human-robots hybrids and stuff like that. Mm. I just thought that was a great fucking story about a character that nobody really... All those characters besides Boba Fett, nobody knew anything about him. I just love that book. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think that was a sweet spot back in the old days of Star Wars books. I think these new Star Wars books are definitely like... It's, you know, a different thing, you know? Well, I haven't it's read like, it. It's, like it's, it's all about it's all about like enriching the canon and finding Easter eggs and and you know just going over it for data and more data and and that's what it, I feel like we're just mining Easter eggs now. You know, we're like dwarves in the beginning of uh, the Hobbit movies. I who nobody, right. nobody saw those. Nobody saw those. Let me get to this last question because it's from the admin of your MC um, Chris fans who are LGBTQ. And this is from lovely Lynn. He says, can you please ask MC Chris if he played any instruments as a kid, if he has musical training, and if he draws for, <laughs> and what he draws on for inspiration? I know he is self-taught as a rapper, but his compositions are too original and unexe- unexpected. For example, the horn layering on Drinking Blunts is just spectacular. So instruments as uh, a kid. I, ha- I, have, uh, I have a really great, the guy... He he's just recorded horns for the new album too, but his name's Stuart uh, Bogey, and he um, he just finished touring with Arcade Fire, and oh, wow. he he he's been knocking out some. Uh, he and another guy, who's the the one white guy in the Roots, um, they have made <laughs> horn stuff for me whenever I've needed it throughout my career, and um, and they made a bunch of stuff for the Ghostbusters album that I didn't use, which we were all sad about, um, but that's happened too many times to count. But as for being a kid, um, you know, my mom played piano. I had a couple of, like, rough piano lessons as a kid. But I was actually kind of put in a situation where I was singing in front of the school band at, like, six years old. But right when I was very, very little, uh, they put me in front of everybody. And they're like, this guy likes to get in front of everybody and put on a show. I did stand-up in the talent show in first grade. Um, And so, like, all that stuff happened very early on. I got a banjo, I got a ukulele, I got a harmonica. Can I play any of this? No. I think I just liked the Muppets, and I just wanted to have all their instruments. Um, But, uh, you know, I I had a Casio after Ferris Bueller that recorded your voice, and I would mess with that a lot. And uh, some of my first songs were, like, using that thing, and... um, you know, so not really, you know. I never really learned anything. Not as, not, my mom could play saxophone and piano, but I, 
would watch her play and she tried to teach me, but I think I kind of had a learning disorder. I just couldn't stick with stuff like that. Um, so yeah, not really. Well, I would buy stuff. I bought a banjo cause of Kermit or my parents got me a banjo cause of Kermit and it was really big and I could barely hold it. And I, the one lesson I took, I, I, was, I was thought it was so unenjoyable and this neighbor came over and he had a tiny banjo and he's like, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so cool. Can we trade banjos? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, I quit. Um, so, <laughs> was it like Possum Boy from Deliverance? No, it was it was Mr. Baumgartner from from they live behind us, the Baumgartners. Bomb. <laughs> you, know, you don't know? Let's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> back with your comedy because I know you do a lot in your live shows. I know you do a lot with your animation. Do you have an actual comedy set that you tour with? Because I couldn't find any information on the interwebs. Uh, no, I mean, I have, a, I have a lot of friends at the comedy store. I have one, uh, one friend who's got the comedy store on lockdown and sometimes he'll have me in his show. Um, but for the most part, I just, you know, I'm a frustrated improviser and, and actor and entertainer who like sneaks in stories and jokes in between his rap songs. And so it's kind of, every show has always been kind of a cabaret vibe thing. And it's kind of like, you know, VH1 storytellers. And that's been a challenge at some point uh, in my career because people are always like, what the fuck's going on? Why is this guy talking about job security system for a half hour? Um, but that's just <laughs> me. You know, I got to be me. Is that you? enough for you? Or do you want to actually take a little time off and tour on a, your own stand-up set? Just exclusive? I would love to. I would love to. I, what I would really love to do is kind of record a special and um, and then maybe tour. Um after that, but like maybe build a show. I have been building jokes about the original trilogy for like three years, and I'm gonna start doing some jokes about the prequels. But I'm gonna, I'm letting it all rest for a little while because um, the ne the new tour is all about performing an old album that's ten years old this year. Right, so right. I'm I'm gonna perform that from the beginning to the end with, and then I'm just gonna play the skits, and I'm not gonna try to talk too much. You know, I really want it to feel like you're you're getting the album live. You know, because I don't want to. Um, you know, stop in between every song and talk a lot. I think I really want to just kind of keep it going and have a fun encore and then meet everybody and do autographs and all that stuff. When you do those skits on the album, for example, in Dreamin', you and Freddie, what? so here's one thing, man. When I'm listening to you and Freddie interact, and I don't know if you'll remember this, there you, there was this episode of He-Man, Masters of the Universe, where Skeletor like kidnapped Orko. And was torturing him. And Orko was so fucking like annoyingly optimistic that yes. he, like, Skeletor was just beating his head off the wall. And that's what that yeah. whole interaction between you and Freddie reminded me of on that Dreaming album. Uh, thank you. That's high praise. Yeah. Is that something? Do you think that was an influence? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen that episode? Um, I have not. I did watch He-Man growing up. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that was, I got to kind of express a lot of things I was feeling at the time through those skits. Very, it was a very expressive album and I used the skits in a way to definitely express some of my, uh, my emotions, you know, and stuff that I was going through. And I did it in a fun way, but like the Netflix scene and, and just, you know, at the end when they're talking about like points and tiles and bedding and furniture, it's also me talking about like what my life has kind of become because I had a kid and we moved and we trying to start like a starting to act like adults, you know. Um, but it, I kind of use those skits to talk about what's going on in my life, and I don't often do that. Oftentimes, these skits are just kind of very strictly following a plot. 
Um, but we got to kind of loosen up because uh, it is a dream uh, album. And so at the end, I won't, well, I don't want to spoil it, but the end's pretty dark. And a lot of fans have been freaked out about it and they can't wait to get the new album to find out what happened. Uh, Were those so skits glad totally? I'll be, glad, I'll be glad. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Were those skits totally improvised? Because there's one point where it sounds like Freddie's going to like actually like burst out of character and just start laughing his ass off. We always laugh, and sometimes I'll keep it if I just want to let everyone know how much fun we're having, and also to, like don't take any of this too seriously. And and you know, I I kind of I don't mind when we break up uh, because it is a lot of fun to make these things, and it's always been something that I've treasured and and. I, so I like to just kind of share the joy that I'm experiencing while I'm making them, but they are scripted. Sometimes they are improvised most of the time. Um, but I will script them like forever. The skits on that were uh, all scripted and dreaming was improvised, but then we went back and we scripted it and we re-recorded it. So, um, yeah. And those, like I said, those skits are amazing. The part you were just talking about where you're talking about towels and thread counts and all that, Going into that, because I was listening to it on YouTube, and it tells the time limits, and I'm like, man, this gets like eight, ten minutes, whatever it is. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be. I'm, I am so a dead inside, so I hardly ever really laugh out <laughs> loud. And two, like I have like ADD, like a six year old. I can't sit and listen yeah. to something. I watch, you know, hour shows in ten minute increments, and then go do something else yeah. and come back to it. But that yeah. kept my attention, and it actually kept me involved. For that full 10 minutes, and I was actually laughing out loud, which is something I never <laughs> do. So fucking yeah. bravo, man. My hat's off to you. Thank you. That was Thank pretty you. ingenious. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've we definitely heard it all and seen it all, and, and we're always just trying to make each other laugh, and uh, John's always trying to, like, gross me out or kind of trick me up. I don't know if John commits to character as much as he just wants to, you know, have me fuck up in some way. Yeah. He's like, he's just always, he's like a prank. He's like a prankster. He doesn't really care about anything. Um, but he's, you know, a lot of fun to work with and he's a great talent, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, you know, it's just, it's just a lot of fun to do these skits. And, and I just feel like if you treat something seriously, and you just keep nurturing it almost like a garden. It's, it's people warn me and say like, no one knows what's going on in these skits and no, it's like unenjoyable and people will hear them and be like, I don't get this or what's the point of this. And, you just kind of have to keep on going and keep on adding to your life's work. You know, you can't take the criticism too seriously and, and you can't even take your life's work too seriously. We just keep on having fun and, and take it one album at a time, you know, and we let the story build. And I think it's, it's built into a thing that like no other rapper has, you know, no other rapper has this kind of universe connected to their albums like we do. And, and that's something I'm very proud of. Cause you know, I, I am coming from the world of comic books and Easter eggs and, and Lost, and J.J., Same and all that here. stuff. And yes. Yeah, yeah, And, and yeah. so, I, you know, I, ref, I reflect the time. Well, and another thing on that Dreamin' album, and I've, I've been trying to, you know, get everything coordinated to get you on the show for a couple years now. The last Freddy movie, not counting that shitty remake in 2010, was in 2003, the last actual Freddy movie. But that album came out in 2016. Why did you make a Freddy Krueger-themed th- album so long after like that, you know, that franchise was, well, I was actually, I was actually having, uh, nightmares and that's what I figured. I, I had, I had been traumatized, uh, during my time at, uh, C lab. Um, I was sexually assaulted and, and harassed and, and, and I had, you know, been struggling with all different kinds of things and, and, 
my wife was starting to have some mental health issues and, and I went into therapy just as kind of a safeguard to kind of like make sure I was okay during this whole thing that was happening. Wow. And, and, um, and during that time, I, I kind of, um, you know, became more honest with myself about who I was and what my sexual orientation was. I came out as a bisexual to all my fans. And I also let them know that I was sexually assaulted while I worked on C-Lab. And it was something I kind of buried and didn't even talk about until my therapist, I talked about it with my therapist and how it was something that kind of uh, played like a loop that I couldn't turn off in my head. And sometimes I would wake up with this thing in my dreams and, um, and that I was, it pissed me off because I love cartoons and I wanted to have a positive animation experience, but I, this thing kind of was uh, ruining uh, some good memories that I had during my cartoon Mm -hmm. ever time. And definitely cartoon ever gave me my career. So you know, I, it's, it's difficult to be mad at them when they've given me so much or so I, I'm more so focused on particular individuals more so than the entire company or something like that. But, um, you know, I think that it, it was good for me to get all that out. It's good for me to talk about all that. And, um, you know, so I think that the dreams, uh, that dream album was like a colonic. It was like, um, you know, I had to get, I had to sweep a lot of stuff out of my system that was like felt toxic, felt like residue from past experiences and post-traumatic stress disorder is what my therapist would call it. And, um, and so, you know, and I went on antidepressants and, and, you know, things started to look up a little bit. So, you know, not, not a lot has changed, but I'm definitely a lot more honest with myself and with my fans. Um, it's not fun to talk about that stuff, you know, because people do love these shows fans still do, uh, you know, say the taglines for my characters and they finally remember these shows. Um, but it is a traumatic memory for me and, and I'm just starting to be honest about it because, you know, this me too stuff has affected me and I see what a lot of people go through and great point, um, you know, and, and I can't help but Uh, I can't help but help feel like, um, I'm a little fucked up and because of what's happened to me and if that's ever happened to anybody, yeah. And if that's happened happened to a person, it's best to, you know, try to deal with it to the best of your abilities, you know, and I have this great opportunity to like, be honest with people and also help them at the same time. And I think I have a lot of, you know, we started a bunch of groups this summer on my Facebook page and we started one for um, LGBTQ and that's got, you know, tons of members in it. And all those people really enjoy seeing each other every day and talking to each other all the time. And it's really nice to set those groups up. And if I can help anybody out in any way, I do that because, you know, I didn't have anything close to what I am uh, for myself when I was growing up. So I like people to have those services, that camaraderie, that kind of scene, a lot like a punk rock scene or a hip hop scene, like a battle rap scene, yep. or something like that, you know, a place where, pe- place where people can get together, leave their houses and, and have real families, you know? Um, and uh, so I'm glad that that's there for everybody. And, and it's continued to be something that people have relied on for a long time. And people come, people go, new people come, stick around. Some people stayed the whole time. I have people come and come to my shows and they sh- they bring me 12 tickets because I've seen the show 12 times and uh, like over the years. Right, and that's crazy. Right. You know, I, I, I saw Farside once and uh, that's it. I don't even know their names. Um, but that was like one of my, that CD taught me how to rap. And uh, my fans are way different. You know, they're way more invested. But you're way, way different more, though. That's the whole point. Well, yeah, for I sure. follow for you sure. on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And you have some heavy topics on your page. You just posted something about religion the other day. Or you're like, let's have a conversation yeah. about that. Which one is brave, right? Because we're in a fucking mm-hmm. outraged society where you could say the wrong phrase or the wrong word, and all of a sudden people are making videos burning their MC Chris albums and t-shirts. Well, so it every, takes a lot of I, guts I already to have do that. been. 
I already have been kind of dragged through the mud and gone through that. You know, Reddit had a big problem with me. Like uh, the year after my father died, I was like a basket case. And so, and Reddit definitely wasn't having it and called me out on it. And they kind of canceled me and, and took a, a large portion of my audience away. Um, but you know, that's, that's good. That's a cleanse. And that kind of set me on the path towards therapy and taking care of myself a little bit better. And, um, yeah, I would so that was a good thing. That, that, that was a good thing at the end of the day. But, you know, I think it's really important for me to try to be outspoken and be true to my feelings. When, even when people say, like, keep your mouth shut and don't talk about what you feel. Um, just because I feel like it's, I want to be a good role model. And I think being a good role model is being true to yourself and being true to your values. And, and you know, sticking, especially because I'm a rapper, I'm a white rapper. It's very important to me to be vocal about Black Lives Matter or, or um, you know, injustice. For sure. Uh, whether, uh-huh. whether, whether it be through the prison system or through just our our racism being deeply 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 embedded into our history and and who we are as a country and i think that's just something you never can shy away from and if you're a white rapper like i owe this community so much they gave me like confidence and a spine and joy and so many things i just didn't have you know mc chris popped up when i was depressed at college and i wanted to kill myself and i had to borrow their uh their bravado or their machismo and and i and i had to use that uh to survive <laughs> in manhattan because um you know that place was just too big for me and i and i had to be as big as the city was in my mind because i felt so small and and so I'll always be so thankful for that gift it helped me survive you know it's almost like someone gave me a bulletproof vest and so you know an important way for me to 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 back that up and to follow through and what i've been given is to to show gratitude and and to be vocal about causes, even if people are going to be like, well, Black Lives Matter was all about this thing that it's not about. or, or And I'll just be like, well, you know, I, it's really not about the hashtag or the, the, the business as much as it is about how I think that black people matter. And I don't yep. want them to die. And, um, you know, and it's important for me to say that. And I know no, no, no other white rapper said that at the time. Like, you know, and I was just and I wrote Sage Francis. I was like, what do I do? And he was like, well, shit's going to happen, but it's okay, you know? And fans are going to be like, blah, 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 but it's okay. And you just, you, it's important that you um, let people Stay know what's yourself. important That's to you. Good. And, and yeah, yep. and you got to, and, and making a discussion happen isn't always a bad thing. Having people yell at each other sometimes is a learning moment. So you never know. And something you want to keep things perfect. You don't want to cause a fracas. Uh, I don't know how to say that word, but um you know, uh, at the same time, I want to be true to myself and especially right. My feeling on this album is like, why I got a little political is that I don't want people to look back on this time and think that, Oh, we don't know how he felt. You know, I want them people know where I stood during this time. Cause I, it's an important time to, um, define who you are, you know? And I think we yeah. all, the democratic party is redefining itself. Republican party is defi- redefining itself. The country's redefining itself. And, and, hopefully and I'm actually glad to hear that, man. I want to hear your political voice. Because I'm from the punk world, and the rap I listen to a lot of is like Immortal Technique and Jedi Mind Tricks, and I'm into the cats. I mean, they seem to have picked up the punk rock banner, because I think punk rock's kind of dropped the flag over the years. So I'm really excited well, pu- pu- to hear you punk say rock that. Is, you know, punk rock is still there, and I think it'll always be a, a respite for the, the kids that find it. Um, but yeah. I think that, I think that you know... Um, it's important. It's important to be rebellious and it's important to, to go against, uh, you know, the way things and are. Rock if, that's how, yeah. if, if that's how you yeah. feel. I, and I definitely feel like hip hop, the, the bands that I got into when I first started 
getting into hip hop. That was Public Enemy and De La Soul. And there I think because those are my first those are my first two bands. Um, you know, I was always gonna be kind of a more look at things maybe through a more philosophical lens and also through a more political lens and uh and even a militant uh lens uh where a subversive lens where you're just kinda like, why are we doing things the way are we doing? Why are we acting so tough as rappers? Uh, what is happening in black communities? Why do black communities, uh, why are they in the state that, they, that they're in? And why has it been this way for so long? Why are so many black men in prison? What are the answers to these questions? And, um, you know, I think that's, uh, it's good to talk about the hip hop because it doesn't get talking, it doesn't get spoken about very often, you know, which is weird. You think they talk about it all the time. Um, but no. And so, no, but I think, uh, yeah. I, I think things are changing a little bit. I do, I do see some different things. Chance the Rapper definitely has kind of changed the tone of hip hop. Like, you know, maybe we should, maybe we, there's a little bit more we could be doing than what we're doing. You know, maybe we could redirect our, our, our funds and, and our messages in a, in a new way. And hopefully everyone's thinking like that right now. And we see that in the art that's coming up. It's almost the, impossible the not next, to. Ne- next couple months. All right. I we... hope so. I hope, I hope everybody, I hope everybody speaks up in the next couple months, encourages everybody to vote. I think Get it's out really there and vote. Yep. And yeah, we, I think we'll, we may think nothing matters, but then I think we're seeing that things do matter and we do have a voice and we can change things and, and we should definitely do, do everything that we possibly can, especially like that's, a, that's something that we get to do that not everybody gets to do on this planet and we can change things if we don't like how they are. And, and as crazy as some of these things that we're talking about are like racism, I think it's cool if we take a step in the, in a direction that we feel proud of. So maybe we have kids or grandkids, they can look at us and look at what we did and think that that was dope. You know, that's it. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, we're at a time where it's, it's, it's a breaking point. It really, really is being, being African-American. It's, it, it's that you, you, it's always something that's been there. Um, <clears throat> for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about, but it needs to be put out there. And, and with the fact yeah, that it's like having a, it's like having a, like a, drunk dad and the family. like we had a drunk dad in my family and we didn't talk about it it's like just yeah something that's bar- it's like buried in your house it makes everyone feel kind of gross and it's a part of every day yeah, but and trump like, you has know, put like greatest dad on the drunk dad shirt like on him and like paraded the guy around like he's a fucking superhero so that's why you're seeing all this shit like boiling over because of trump's hateful rhetoric well it's good though it's i honestly believe it's all good and i feel like we have to we have to find out uh, what we are and who we are in order exactly. to address, yep. in order I to hope address right. what our real problems are, what our real problems are. And I honestly feel like these problems will be addressed because things change and, and there's just a way too much space and way too much people. And, and Matt, the math says things are going to change no matter what. And so, you know, it's just people whining as, as the Titanic goes down, but the Titanic is going down and, and the kids will take over and we'll see what's up with the kids, you know, if they're just like their parents and then we, then we have some more problems, but we'll see. They might be we're, cool. We're running a little bit over. Let me um, switch to an MC Chris song real quick. We'll have you right back, and then we'll finish up here. We're actually going to play D. I don't know if you could say this is our favorite song, because I have so many MC Chris favorites that I love. But it's definitely the song that gets the most rotation in the Katsouris car when we're traveling, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I, it used to be Fest Vet, and now... I'm a fucking wizard. I'm a fucking wizard. (laughs) So let's play some I'm a fucking wizard. Chris, I kick microphone, spit on the stage. I'm a major, amazed with my myth, with my digits. There's no limits, cats, incantations, and spells. Warlocks and wizards feel blizzards to face fires. The hell I come 
tanks on your jetpack I'm an arcane painting since my sanity's waning My present is unpleasant to give your essence a draining I'm not complaining, but I'm gaining better pick up the pace I walk around for last, put my staff in your face You want proof? I'll say suits over amulets and towels, man What you better plan? Just pass me the chow, man I'm a fucking wizard I will fuck up your shit Put the mage in every page and you just roll up a hit I'm a grab paper guy when I'm launching, I'm lit Better check your behavior, I'm the savior favorite I'm a fucking wizard To make me wiggle my fingers I will leave you with the lesson when you question the lingers So don't make me wrinkle my nose, wrinkle my toes Cause I'm surrounded by sparkles, but I will fuck up all foes I'm a wizard Pull up on ones, that's a fortune, three palms I'm a necromancer, will they just carry on and stay calm? My origins are pagan, never escape the broken home But I take place in Martin manuscripts and distant token toms I'm an angel A.K.A. Apollo's son, who does a segment at the end of the show, in here with us. Oh, Billy, you with us? Yo, yo, what's going on, guys? Hi, Billy. Hey. Yo, Billy, what's up? MC Chris, what's up, brother? Yo, Billy, how's things? They're very well. How are things with you? I just got to say, man, I grew up um, when I was in my college days. A good friend of mine and I, we would get together two to three times a week and watch Aqua Teen. And I got to say, man, MCP Pants was... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Had quite a... Quite a uh, <laughs> Uh, pro- piece of prime real estate in my heart, dude. I, I, I <laughs> spent you. weeks. I, I'm, I'm not even bullshitting you, man. I spent weeks walking around to people because it was kind of like a lot of people didn't that grew up around me weren't you know they weren't familiar with Aquatine. So I would walk up to them and I would say shit like I would be like I want candy, bubble gum and taffy, <laughs> like shit like that. So it made for a well, it made I, for a really I'm good. Glad, I'm glad. I'm glad you were saying my rhymes. That makes me feel good. I'm glad my rhymes can make you look good in your life. Yeah, I want doubt. you to send yeah. me your rhymes because I need I need some I need some help in my life. So now it's time to return the favor. Give me your rhymes. Sure. I'm gonna start working these things into my life. <laughs> I know you got <laughs> Oh yeah, man. I got I got a whole catalog. I can I can send that over to you whenever you'd like. If you're ever in Yeah, I, please I send that over temple. immediately. Um let's mix it up real quick because we've got to get Chris out of here. Uh Chris, I had another question for you. When you're Hit dealing me. with just kind of like mainstream people, like Little Wayne or Jay Z or whatever, at Fifty Cent, and oftentimes I am dealing with them. Do they see you <laughs> as legit, 
or do they think like what you do because it's uh, and I know you used to shy away from the term nerd no, math. No, no. They don't they don't know who I am. Uh but I will say this, anytime I've ever met anybody in the hip hop community, I've only been treated with respect and kindness and like Right on. Uh, if I if I get in if I get interviewed by like a real deal hip hop magazine, they're always like you got bars and they're always like they're they I think they understand that I I like look at hip hop like it's something I respect. I don't want to fuck up. I want to be a good rapper. I don't mean that like I want to be the best rapper. I just want to be a well-behaved rapper. And I don't even mean like I'm a well-behaved person. I mean like I want to follow my hip hop commandments, like keep it real and, you know, uh, represent and be true is what I think is what those two things really are saying. Like be true, be honest, talk about the shit that no one's talking about. Well, mission accomplished there. yeah, because I think it helps people, and I, I, if people aren't talking about it, and that that means that we're not really helping anybody, and we're just making money, and maybe that's why I don't make a lot of money is because I focus more on like making sure everyone's not killing themselves. But that's just kind of you know where my fans are, and and you know these are kids that grew up, um, and now they have bills, and now they're not at their parents' place, and now they have kids and bills, and life sucks, and they've got illnesses and hospital bills and all kinds of shit going on, and it's not as much fun as getting stoned and watching Aqua Teen, you know. And, well, uh, and I'm still here. I'm, st- I'm still here to hang out with them and cheer them up, and and uh, and we can smoke a bowl just like old times. <laughs> Luckily, there's an MC Chris group for everything, right? MC Chris fans who love yeah. cosplay, who are from Tennessee, where I'm located at the moment. Yeah, you're fucking taking over. Fa- yeah, Facebook one group at a time. Are you trying to yeah, like well, um, um, usurp? I'm trying to Zuckerberg? work around Zuckerberg. Yeah, I'm trying to work around him because he. You know, I have like 200,000 fans on the Facebook and I can't talk and my, my posts will only get like, you know, 300 likes and, and yeah. it'll get seen, stuff will get seen by thousands and millions of people sometimes. Fuck but no. for the most part, he's basically, he's, he's created like a toll booth saying like, if you want to talk to your fans, you got to pay me. And I paid him $15,000 yeah. and now I'm like super duper in debt and can't really, I can't, you know, I, I got to figure out another way to do it. So I decided to like make groups, make tiny little collections of people that I can interact with, um, you know, and see if that maybe helps things. Um, cause he definitely is holding my audience hostage and, and it's really difficult to yep. all the social media makes it difficult to communicate with fans. And, um, you know, a label would be nice. Music videos would be nice. I definitely have to learn how to like have more of a presence on YouTube. And that's, that's challenges that I'm just going to have to kind of work with and try to solve in the years to come. And, you know, the joke I tell myself now is I've moved to LA to make YouTube videos. Um, uh, it's funny true. I, I didn't ha- I didn't have to do that. I could have done that <laughs> wherever I was to begin with to save myself the the, mo- the money and the move. It's but I do so like the, I do like up. I do like uh, the weather. I do like that I can go to the Brady Bunch house and the Bat Cave all in the same day. Um, you know that's all kind of fun. And so uh, we'll see what happens. You never know. I'm looking up though. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty stoked to tour. Oh, good, uh, I got a new album out that sounds pretty dope. I got a tour that's going to be that I've been rehearsing on stop, and I and I think I'm pretty in the pocket. And, uh, you know, excited to get back on the road and eat some waffles at Waffle House and see what the new flavored shake is at uh, Jack in the Box and, you know, just get through it like I always it sounds have. like you got it all figured there out, There you man. go. All right. I definitely there do not, go. but I'm doing okay. Right, let me um, <laughs> hit this last point because we have another weird connection. I've been doing my research just like you. I'm really diligent <laughs> with my research. And I found this was so long ago. It was on fucking GeoCities. I found a GeoCities webpage of yours from like 15 years ago. And the last thing that was posted on there was you were getting signed to Good Charlotte's new record label. And me and Odell grew up with Benji and Joel. We grew up with those kids. In fact, even Steven, my old punk band, 
had like a gigantic like beef thing that went down with i did some follow-up did you ever go on those kids label like what happened with that yeah yeah for sure what happened was is that they kind of serenaded me away from adult swim they kind of came at me well they definitely came at me at adult swim and said we want to sign you so we got really excited they how got did me the meetup happen did it happen through adult swim with no, those guys no uh they just heard my music um the, the brother of the twins um, heard my music and he gave it to the twins and they were like, we want to sign them. And, and they had this new vanity label called DC by the Flag. way, it sounds so the shining when you say it that way, the twins, the twins. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds very um, but, uh, but you know, the twins are always very nice to me and you know, I got to see Hillary Duff in a hot tub and they took me to Skywalker Ranch hey. and smoked weed on the porch and I met George Lucas, but they did coax me away from adult swim probably before I should have left. Um, but then again, MC Chris wouldn't have happened had they not start gotten the ball rolling and got me that booking agent and that manager and all that shit that, that they gave me in the beginning. I dropped them all. I fired everybody. Um, cause I, cause I was like, uh, I could do this better on my own. And I found out that I could, cause they were probably just going to like test it, see if it worked. If it didn't mm-hmm. stick, then they're going to drop me. And I was like, well, fuck that. Let's just kind of, I can, I already know I can do this better. And so I fired everybody and, uh, including my DJ and, and wow. like a, got rid of got rid of everybody and started over and because i'm like okay i'm in new york let's see what we and i got these kids that they they're into this shit let's see what we can do um and so you know you know it's just like so many different things in my life you know beneficial on one in one hand on one hand is very beneficial experience on the other hand there is like some lame shit that comes along with it you know but you know that's life what are you gonna do um I still got to smoke weed at Skywalker Ranch. Pretty cool. Yeah, there that go. right there. I mean, that's a <laughs> Magnus Opus in itself. All right. Um, let's talk about what you got going on before we get you out of here. The MC Chris cartoon. What is going on? It's a, probably the question I see most when I go in these groups. What is going on with the MC Chris cartoon? Uh, MC Chris cartoon. My fans gave me $70,000 on Kickstarter. I made a six-minute piece of animation with um, Titmouse. They make Metapocalypse and and Super Jail and all kinds of shows yeah. for Adult Swim. Yeah. And um, Adult Swim said no, and then we were in production with Fuse for about a year and a half. And now I'm talking with some very cool people about making a comic book version of it, um, and that might become a cartoon. We don't know. Um, but uh, things are looking up, and I definitely am stoked about it. I'm always doing research on it. It's a story that I can't wait to tell, and I hope I get to tell it. I saw Matt Groening and Linda Berry speak in Brooklyn one time, and I asked them, like, How, what do you do with a project that's been rejected? And Matt Groening just said, you know, uh, I wish I could tell my younger self to finish it. And so, wow. you know, my goal my wow. goal is to just kind of fin- finish the story and then kind of see what happens. It could become a comic book. It could become a cartoon. I, it, if I finish it, I might not, might not even care if it gets made. I might just turn it into skits on an album. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but I definitely, it's definitely in me to tie things up. Um, only my death could keep me from finishing this story, and I don't think that's going to happen. The fortune tellers in New Orleans said I'm going to live till I'm 95, thanks to science. So, gotta I love those time. New Orleans um, <laughs> fortune tellers. We hit one every time. We're in um, Jackson Square ourselves. Now, we now, the same it's lady. The same, yeah, I was going to say it's the same lady we've seen for years now. Mm-hmm. And she's so right on point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah you know what I'm there. saying. So I'll be around. For, I'll be around for a second. All right. There well, we go. gotta get you out of here. I'll... Thank you guys so much <laughs> yeah. for having me. I appreciate it. You Thank guys you, have a good evening. Thanks, Chris. Hey, man, Chris. Before we it, get out of here, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? MCChris.com. You can also support me at GoFundMe at GoFundMe.com forward slash support dash MC dash Chris. You could uh, sign up for my Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash MC Chris. 
All these links are at mcchris.com. Uh, join the FB, group, FB groups we were talking about. Join the mailing list. Hope I see you at a live show this fall. And uh, peace out. Thanks for watching me on TV, everybody. Thanks for being on. Let's do a quick couple minutes with Apollo. It is later than usual, so we got to get out of here. Apollo, um, where are we in the process this week? I know what we were supposed to finish up with you live. We did an interview at a York bus stop because my daughter had a panic attack about going to your cabin. She thought you were going to go all fucking (laughs) evil dead on her. So we came up to York on our filming tour. On our way to Harrisburg yep. to hang out with William, uh, my daughter actually had her first panic attack. And I knew something was up because she was getting OCD and, like, organizing mm-hmm. her French fries and, like, taking her napkin, cloth napkin, and folding it, like, totally symmetrical. And then she went into the bathroom. It was a one-person bathroom. And um, she's like, Dad, come here. And she's like, I just got sick. I don't want to go up there. And she had it in her mind. because I think what freaked her out is you live up in the mountains with – Mm-hmm. No internet, no Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. and no cell phone service. Yeah, and I think that was the thing. problem. It's a good thing, but for her, she's just thinking Evil Dead. She's thinking you're gonna axe murder us. <laughs> well, the service isn't. I mean, it's not. It's not non-existent. It's just very spotty and kind of only works when it, depending on which porch you're sitting on and and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. depending on the time of day. I mean, there's a lot of different things that. You could walk wrong up there and your internet service will cut out, but it's not, you know, it's not completely a dead zone, but it's not very good either. Well, it was enough to freak her out. So we did a short, um, <laughs> a short interview at the bus stop and it was amazing. And we'll have that up on tincan.media yeah. sometime in the next couple of weeks. But we were supposed to actually do and do finishing the process with Apollo's son. And we didn't get yeah. to do it because you're still working on stuff. So what happened? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, um, I had decided I, I was, I was kind of, you know, I was cranking along doing, you know, one song a week or something like that and recording and I was writing like a madman. And then I just kind of put the brakes on things for a little, uh, just with the writing, I was pretty much caught up to all the songs, um, other than I think two that I want to finish writing, but I decided that I needed to kind of relaxed a little bit i didn't want to go full force the way i was going so much anymore because i didn't want to just rush through a record and then before you know it i'm regretting things you know what i'm saying did it feel rushed so, at that point not really i mean i just it, it felt like it was a na- it was naturally going in that direction but then when i decided to slow down that also felt natural too so you know it was i don't know what it was what was the inclination was for it but um, so I backed off a little bit and then the, um, studio that I'm recording at, they're actually in the process of renovating it. Um, and so I guess he got the studio all tore up and whatnot. I'm actually going down there on Friday, uh, to help out and contribute, you know, with fixing up some of the studio stuff. And, um, so then we're, I'm, I'm assuming they're kind of getting close to the end of that. So as soon as that's done, we're going to get back to it and finish the album up, which hopefully will be next week uh, is where we get started. We'll probably just go back to the one day a week thing for the next couple of weeks, just because I'm super busy, man. Like I'm, I, I just enro- uh, enrolled back in school. So I'm finishing up a bachelor's degree and that's like slapping me in my face with reality of that shit. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, get income coming back in because i hadn't worked in a while to clear my soul out and whatnot and now you know that money is running out so now i'm like 
I'm like, okay, well, I really don't want to go work for other people because that's not how I get down, but I'm getting low on money. So I've been trying to like push little side freelance things and, you know, trying to get some income and actually it's been working, but, um, that kind of has been taking a little bit more of my time as well because I got bills to pay and I got, I still need money to fix my cabin up and, you know, and everything else that comes along with the territory. So, um, we're hoping to get back into it. Um, I'm about the last two songs that I have, I'm halfway through the one song and I kind of started the other one too. I know I at least know where it's going. And then I'm going to, I added one other song that we're going to, I, I wanted to get uh, my most favorite local MCs from central PA all in a song together. Guys that I've listened to through the years who I respect very well and very much. And, and uh, I wanted to get them all in a song together. So I reached out to all of those guys and we all have a mutual respect for each other. Um, and they're all going to be on the song. And um, I'm just waiting for the right beat to come in because we want it to be a little more edgy in terms of the production style, a little more like raw boom bap shit, as opposed to my normal beat choices normally are to evoke emotion and things like that. So um, that and those two songs I'm working on, um, I do have one I need to record which I'll probably do next week, hopefully. And then after that, I have those two I got to finish writing and then and the, the group song, and then I'm good. Well, let me tell you something, dude. And I'm not somebody who is... I, I'm a very hard person to be biased towards something. If I like something, I say I like it. If I don't like something, I say I don't like it. D <laughs> yep. is an outrageously exceptional singer. And I don't know I if Odell's ever heard D sing, but... If Years you have ago, any need for a female singer? In fact, she just auditioned for AGT last time they came yeah, to right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. area. And I'm I'm not just saying this because I'm with her. You should definitely, if you need a female vocal on there, consider having Dion. She could send you over some stuff because she yeah, is. Yeah, I was gonna say I was just gonna like send him over some stuff because like. Could you do that, please? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Please. Please do, D. Yeah, because yeah. uh, there are parts on the there are spots on the song or on the album that. I have specific, you know, parts in mind for female vocalists. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And I would love, I would love to hear, you know, what you do, and maybe we can make something happen. That'd be yeah, awesome. I don't think you'd my, be disappointed. Well, and my only price is that I get to stay in the cabin and you pick me up from the airport because I don't want to drive. That works. And Aren't you worried about <laughs> being axe murdered? Not at all. Yeah. No, I've seen it's pictures. Funny, it yeah. looks really cute in there. Like. It, really, really yeah, cute. it's very peaceful up there, and it's not as isolated as you think. I do have yeah. neighbors and shit. You See? know what I mean? And and, and it's only like, <laughs> yeah, you've they, heard me heard scream, me. right? Like you know, this is like, seriously yeah. loud. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's not really a question. You know, it's it's pretty peaceful up there. It's um, you know, I can understand why somebody who has never met me before, you know, would be a little oh, nervous and things 12. like that. So, and I it, right, and I've grown up, you know. Like I was saying when we had lunch together, you know, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder when I was 13 years old. I have social anxiety. I understand. I get it. You know what I mean? That's why I tried my best to just be understanding and to to help to. And I did get a request. I got a friend request from her yesterday. So apparently I wasn't that Aww, bad. Oh, so. really? That's so cute. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know that. She's got yeah, a secret life. I, that's right, and I accepted it. See, we're cool. We we all good. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about like my twelve year old talking shit about you all over the internet. No, she's she going to see you She's not going to blast yep. you on Reddit or anything. That <laughs> <laughs> might, might give me some streams or something. People see my yeah. name on there. 
Yeah. <laughs> Beef with a 12-year-old. That would be great. All right. yeah, let, me, yeah. let me ask you this, man, because this is something I was curious about. I forgot to ask you when we were visiting you. Doing this process on air with us and talking to us as you're doing this process, has that resonated at all with anything that you're doing? Has that helped you at all? Has that had any effect on what you're doing? Talking all this shit out wow. as you're making it? No, it's been great, man. It's been like a therapeutic process to speak about it. Um, not that it's therapy from something that I'm running from, from, but it helps to solidify my love of the art and to be, and when I'm talking to people that, you know, do respect and have an interest in what I do and share their ideas, whether it be, you know, parts that they like in songs and parts that they don't, you know, all that stuff. I like to be around creative people and, 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 you know, with you guys having the podcast and everything or the radio show and everything that, um, it inspires me to keep going. And I'm hoping that our talks help inspire you as well. You know, uh, relationships are symbiotic in nature. So yeah, it definitely has been inspiring to just keep going. And, and it gives me something to look forward to. Okay. You know, where am I at in my process? Cause you guys, you know, the guys want to know and, and, um, it just, it's inspiring. That's really all I can say about it. Well, to this day, Something Is Wrong is my favorite song by you. And whenever I'm like feeling overwhelmed, I have this little catalog yeah. of about six different songs I put in. And that's always yeah. in my rotation of, all right, breathe. And there's, uh, there's now that I've met you and how zen you are, there's almost a like WWBD, like what would Billy do? Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> because you're definitely yeah. a lot more fucking mm. like um down to earth or in tune than i am because i tend to get like yeah. upset and i'm just frantic yeah. yeah and i've been there i've 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 been that way i mean i still have moments like that dude where i you know i lose my shit if you will and but i am at a lot more i'm in a more peaceful place than i ever have been in my life i would say and i'm yeah I'm that's more, good well, that's good know, yeah, more well equipped to to deal with stress and anxiety when it does happen. You know, I made peace with a lot of the issues that we had talked about, whether it be, you know, these these traumatic ass breakups. And I really had to look inside, man, to see like what was I contributing to this issue because I can't I can't walk around just blaming the rest of the world for all the problems that I encounter because obviously I play a role in it. I actively have engaged in these relationships and I contributed to the problems too. So the, these folks decided to remove themselves from my path for wh whatever reason. And that's fine. You know, I wish them all well, whoever they are and whatever they're doing, whatever, do your thing. And, um, because now it's about me and all I need to worry about is me. I don't have children. So all I'm trying to do is figure out how I can be the best version of myself so I can help others who end up in scenarios like I was in, I just had a, a conversation with a friend the other day who's going through some shit and they, they reached out to me and, and we never talked on that level before. And they were just like, Hey man, you told me that if I ever needed anything, you know, you'd be there, give a call or whatever. And I know you've been through some shit. Can we talk? And you know, if I can be of service to others in that way, even though my shit was messy and sometimes came out in the public and things like that, um, I'm now realizing the gift portion of it you know what i mean the lessons have been learned but now i'm realizing how i can utilize it as a gift to help bless others with insight so then when they're going through those things they don't feel like they're fucking alone in, in a padded room in their house you know what i mean because people are deeper than what they allow others to see at least i'm not saying everybody's like that but a lot of times there are you know a lot of people that don't know how to express themselves yeah and they don't know how to 
you know, release emotion in a productive way. And so if I can help to guide others so they don't lose their shit and fall off the rails like I did, you know, I'm happy to do that. And I understand everybody needs to learn at their own pace and everybody needs to go through their own thing. But if I can help contribute something, some sort of light to that darkness that they face, then, you know, then my job is done and, and I'm thankful for that. So that's how I'm able to make peace with all the shit that I went through is by helping others and being of service to others. Cause I think that's what, what it's really about, man, is that we got to be there for each other. We, we spend so much time in our days with the, between the news and, you know, the, the fake news and, and all this other shit, this uh, political nonsense and all this stuff that we tend to forget that we, that we are all related, you know, as the same species. And we, we got to help each other. We are the stewards. Yep. To, to the earth you know what i mean we are the ones we've been waiting for there's nobody coming to save us it's us we have to be the ones to make that choice there you know there's we can't vote our way to happiness and freedom as a human collective we have to work together so then we can make those differences and and for the longest time man i was taking 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 you know, because I was caught in my own head with my own shit, but now I'm in a place where I want to give back to people that are struggling. That's I want fucking people, amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to go through my when people cross paths with me when they when they leave, I want them to feel a sense of relief. And it's not for show. It's not because I'm trying to like get something out of them or have an agenda. It's just I know in life you're either a part of the problem or you're a part of the solution. Solution. And yeah. I would, you know, I feel much more effective to be a part of the solution. Absolutely. And I mean, we're doing, you know, we're doing an episode of Kettle of Fish, our next episode at the end of the month. And it's our super happy go episode. And we're having a lot of different people have five different guests that go out into the world like Mary Latham and they just travel the country spreading good. And I like to do those episodes every couple months. And it's like taking my vitamins. It's not just for the audience, but a big part of that is yeah. for the audience. But it's also to remind myself if I watch the news all the time or if I'm reading Slate or political Politico all the time or Vox or whatever, like I want to fucking hang myself if I just do that all day. So I like to put something else good into the world because I feel like I'm in a position where I have a voice where I can do that at least a little bit. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it was just time, dude. You know what I mean? It was time. I was in a place where I was I was destroying everything in my path. And that what's that going to do other than give you a bad rap with people, a bad rapport with others and things like that? Yeah. Even if they don't, you know, you could have a reason justifying, you know, why you're, you're uh, blowing up externally towards everything around you. But we are direct you know, everything that's around you is really a direct reflection of your perception of this reality. So really what I'm doing is yelling at myself when I'm yelling, because I either allowed some dumb shit to happen that I wouldn't normally do. So uh, while I might be yelling at the person about what, what they did, what the truth is, I'm angry at myself for allowing them to have that control over my life. You know what I mean? So, you know, I get it, man. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stand up for what is right and what resonates in our hearts, and we gotta speak about it because we are conditioned to just shut up. You know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't born for that shit, man. I don't know about uh-huh. other people, but that's not what I'm here to do. Is to, is to walk through life blindly and silently while all this 
other shit's going on and everything's falling apart. Nope, I'm not. I was just telling talk. Danielle today that every almost every problem in my life is my inability just to shut the fuck up. I just can't stand silent. All right, we've got to get out of here. I think I don't think our show's ever gone this late. We've got to get out of here. Um, we're gonna do this ass okay. backward this episode, and we're actually yep. gonna end with your new song. Tell us a little bit sure. about I'm Not Broken Yet, and then we're gonna get out of here. Sure, I'm not broken yet was actually the original song for this project that um when I started writing other albums. Is that gonna be the album track- name? No, no, the album's just it can get better. But was that originally going to be the album name since that was the first? Song? Oh no, huh? No, no. This okay. was uh, the original. The original project when it started, where I wrote this song, "I'm Not Broken Yet," uh, was going to be an EP called "A Terrible Loyalty." Wow. Uh, yeah, and that came from a quote that I found uh, when I was up at my cabin and throwing out all the the junk and stuff that was behind. I found this old uh quote it was like a a wooden plaque and had some sort of old picture on it of like a ship in an ocean and it had a quote on it and said something to the effect of we're all in the same boat in a stormy sea and we owe each other terrible loyalty did it and, say um, who it was by it did but i can't remember the name off offhand um gotcha. i don't have the i don't have the quote in front of me or with me but mm-hmm. so when i that was one of the first beats that I had received for the project. And I wrote this song probably three years ago, uh, maybe even two years ago at this point. And I added some things to the end of each verse um, to kind of update it a little bit. And um, so this song has a lot of development that needs to be done yet. There's parts that um, there's like harmony type stuff that I I need to uh, hint, hint D and, you know, things like that <laughs> to, get, to get some help on for project for this particular song. But, um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a, it wasn't one of my favorite songs to be honest with you on the project, but the more I listened to it, the more it grew on me and the more that, um, it felt very, very honest. And that's what I want for the album is just for it to be very honest. So I think it's a solid contribution to the record. Um, it has a, a, a kind of a bizarre, like, um, a hopeless hopelessness kind of thing. I don't know, or a hopeful hopelessness kind of vibe to it. But this and, current uh, political environment, I mean, MC Chris was just on here talking about his upcoming album yeah. and said for the first time ever, this album's going to have like some politics on it. And I think the current mm-hmm. environment is kind of shifting how we all express ourselves, right? Whether it be negative yeah. or positive. I think I'm expressing myself yeah. more positively yeah. than ever yeah. as a rebellion yeah. against the hate. But it seems like everybody's like consciousness is shifting over the past few years. Yeah, yeah, it's it's coming out a lot more in terms of uh, people are starting to really verbalize their disdain for the current systems that have been forced upon us through the years, and mm-hmm. you know they're starting to finally say, okay, we had enough of this shit, and they, and the the system that is in place is still trying to say, well, you still are going to operate within the confines of that system based on the rules that we made. And people are like, well, no, we got the internet now, fuckers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. For the people yeah. who believe the internet's not a liberal conspiracy. Uh, right, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go down that rabbit hole another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here. Um, we are going to just go ahead and end tonight. Um, Apollo, as always, thank you for calling in. Yes, man. And-
Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. And again, uh, happy birthday, Odell. I realized I learned that we share the same birthday. Yeah, man. You too, man. Yeah, see, see, yeah, great mind, yeah. son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, you know who else I also learned? Um, um, did you used to listen to the group Das Effects at all? Oh, oh, all day. Yeah, man. That was one of my yeah, favorites, yeah. man. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so uh, I think it's Dre's. He would call himself Crazy Dre's. Yeah. Um, I found out that his birthday is also September ninth. <gasps> yeah, you were uh, telling me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I gave him, I gave him like a shout. I, I wished him happy birthday on his Instagram page, and he like liked the comment. An hour later, I got all excited and nice. shit. Because I mean, I was that's like, awesome. It's Dos Effects, dude. I mean, they're 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 legends, you know. Let me tell you, <laughs> September 9th, Every day, you know, a birthday will come up if a birthday comes up. And I've got like 800 friends on Facebook. He'll say so-and-so and two other people have a birthday. So-and-so and three other people have a birthday. September 9th, yeah. it was like so-and-so and nine other people have a birthday. Karen's yeah. <laughs> birthday yeah. is the ninth. Why. Like September yeah. September 9th yeah. is a big birthday. Yeah. yeah. I wonder why, man. I don't know. I don't know, no. whatever, I nine mean, months ago whatever. that day who knows people, people partying <laughs> around new year time you know there you yeah. go yeah. that's exactly what it is <laughs> oh my gosh Holidays. that's exactly what it is that's so awesome Holidays. A lot of champagne all right we gotta get out of here um thanks for calling in apollo as always yep. we'll have you back in two weeks on our next episode thanks for listening it feels good to be back right odell yeah man i appreciate it dude yep. this is awesome Alrighty, I'm not broken yet. Bye, guys. See, I've been busy picking poison out. My smile's now a pointed south. Broken windows in a stolen house. Boxing match done, fun speaking with a swollen mouth. Mass turning into rust I hope there is a person underneath them which I trust Beating doors with a closed fist People on the other side treat me like I don't exist Sickened by this hate I've been waiting in this water Hoping I am floating somewhere safe I keep pushing Doctor says relax I need a deep seat cushion what will it take to realize we're real vibes that vibrate? It's hard for me to see it, this freedom that they call. If it doesn't work for everyone, it doesn't work at all. Nah. But I'm not broken yet. I just gotta take another step. But there's an unknown threat. And I'm scared of what is coming next. But I'm not broken yet. I just gotta take another step. But there's an unknown threat. And I am scared of what is coming I've been busy cleaning rubble up See my trouble is I fumble love Walk and stumble through a tunnel drug Hoping that it's getting better Seeming that it never does See I've been busy picking stitches out Candle wick lit, sick, pulling pictures out Maybe I'm a glitch, light fixture out Maybe it's the switch or my niche is in a drought I'm so lost, burning every single bridge before I even cross. I try to see the bright side, try to think it over. But there's a demon in that bottle, think it's taking over. Can't you see the angel swaying on my naked shoulder? I'm learning to take care of myself now that I'm sober. Take invasive scars, turn them into mulch. So maybe I can grow something better than my severed thoughts. But I'm not broken yet. I just gotta take another step. But there's an unknown threat. And I am scared of what is coming next 
But I'm not broken yet I just gotta take another step But there's an unknown threat And I am scared of what is coming See I've been waiting for the floods to go They'll probably pull me with the undertow Strip me of the wonder of the summer's glow Sensing there is trouble, hear the rumble of the thunder Low. Nobody seems to listen Damn. They try to say I'm tripping Razor blades in my stomach ripping Can't seem to get a grip, I either slip or start tripping Now it's the hardest mission, picking the pieces up I still can't find a reason why they're even stuck Leaning on the trees until my knees erupt Cleaning hard strings so they start rain when plucked Wishing for another day, wishing I could run away Wishing that I had something crushing that I wanna say Wishing that I'd wanna stay, wishing I could fucking change Wishing that my stomach wouldn't plummet when I'm stuck afraid But I'm not broken yet I just gotta take another step But there's an unknown threat And I am scared of what is coming next